I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Through Their Eyes, our special series featuring Utah teenagers discussing current events on Utah's Morning News with Tim and Amanda. Such a pleasure every week uh, to sit down with teenagers and talk to them about the issues of the week and find out how do they feel about the candidates running for president and so many other issues. And this week, I have three students with me from the American Academy of Innovation. In studio, I have Skylar, Emily, and Reagan. Welcome, welcome to all three of you. Thank you for coming. Uh, we have so much to talk about, so I'm just going to jump right in, if that's all right. I, I want to ask you a question about the presidential election, and I want you to share with me from your perspective, if you could vote in the election, who would you vote for? May I start with you, Skylar? I'll just go left to right, if that's all right. Yeah. Looking at the candidates as you understand them, with your knowledge that may be small or large, if you could vote, who would you vote for? I think right now I'm leaning mostly towards Bernie Sanders. Uh, I was a big fan of Andrew Yang, but he's since dropped out of the election, so I think Bernie Sanders. And may I ask why? Yeah. Um, I think that what we need right now as a country is is a lot of the things that, that he's been saying. I think we need a, a very big change from the bottom up, and I I, th I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to put the power in the hands of the workers and the people instead of the, the big corporations like it has been for a long time. Do you think he has a chance of winning? I think he definitely does. He is number one in most of the polls right now. Emily, if you could vote in this election, who would you vote for? I would vote for Elizabeth Warren. I really like Bernie Sanders. Um, something about Elizabeth Warren that really speaks to me, though, is I feel like she has a lot more of her like plans like planned out. It's more detailed. And I think one of the most important things to me right now is how the, the presidential nominee would deal with foreign affairs, because I feel like under the current administration, foreign affairs have not been really respected or thought through, and we've lost a lot of our respect from foreign countries and I think that she's very diplomatic and she's just very presidential and she'd be able to communicate with them very well um she has a lot of ideas I like I think Bernie Sanders will win but I really like her I like both of them so if she after Super Tuesday if she starts to fall down in the polls and we don't know at this point I mean maybe she'll she'll surge we don't know but if she starts to fall down and drops out you'd feel good about Bernie Sanders or no yeah, I definitely feel good about Bernie Sanders. I really like what he's saying. I agree with it. Um, my poll to Elizabeth Warren is I just, 
I like her background a lot too. I like how she grew up as a work in the working class, and I feel like I can relate to her more because of that. Um, both of them, I think, have similar ideas. So I would really, I would be proud if either of them became the president. Um, but just personally, I would vote for Elizabeth Warren. What if Joe Biden becomes the nominee? Joe Biden is another um, very, he's a very likely candidate. Um, Joe Biden, so I actually read the Promise Me Dad book that he released when his son passed away. Um, So when I read that book, I really started to respect him as a person. And I really liked him when he was vice president under Obama. Um, Recently, though, I have been hearing a few things about some of his um, ideas, like the busing issue, Kamala Harris pointed out during one of the debates. And I feel like he has had been, he's released a few racist policies. He's apologized for them, but I think it sort of shows some things. I think overall he's, I wouldn't, I would prefer him over Donald Trump, but I do like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders more. Reagan, now this is not just hypothetical for you because you actually can vote in this election. So tell me, who would you like to vote for? So I actually uh, voted in the primaries this weekend. I voted for Bernie Sanders. Um, I like Bernie because in all of the years he's been involved in politics, which is, you know, decades now, he has stuck to what he believes in and he's never switched up his politics or his policies for anybody who has maybe donated to his campaign. Like he's always like stood for what is right. And so, um, I feel like with him, like, especially after Donald Trump, who, uh, frequently would change his policies and, um, change his mind about a lot of different things. We need somebody who knows what they believe in and will stick by that. What do you th- make of it then, Reagan, when you hear someone uh, like Michael Bloomberg who says, if Bernie Sanders is at the top of the ticket, A, we'll never win, we being Democrats, and B, it will cost so m- m- much down the ticket that there will be other people who will suffer and races that will be lost mm-hmm. down the ticket. What do you make of that argument? Um well, it kind of that kind of reminds me of um, during the recent debate when I don't remember which host brought it up. They said that two thirds of Americans um, don't like the idea of like um, what's the word I'm looking for, like Bernie's politics. Socialism. They don't like socialism. Socialism. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernie kind of just said, "Well, look at the polls. Look at how I'm doing. You know, he is still number one, even though socialism is really hard for this country, and it's." costing like like what you said a lot like for the future it's what we need after everything that we've gone through is it that word mm-hmm. i th- i honestly do think it's that word that scares people mm-hmm. because um you look and like in the debate they compared the american dream to denmark and how denmark is living the american dream better than we are but denmark is a very socialist country so why does that scare people hmm um, can I ask you one follow up, mm-hmm. one more follow up question, then we'll, we'll change. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those in my generation? I'm a baby boomer mm-hmm. who, who say young people want free stuff. That's why they like Bernie Sanders. Speak to me about that. Um, the best argument I found for that. I actually have a coworker who will like challenge me on that quite a bit. Um, the best thing I say to that is it's not that we want free stuff. We want the stuff that we've worked for. Because in my generation, like we find it a lot harder to 
live the American dream because it's harder. Like college is so expensive. And there was even I have this teacher who is a baby boomer who was speaking to us in a financial literacy class about how he got through college by working a summertime job and then he would focus on his school the rest of the time and it was like no problem he never had to worry about money and for my generation that's just not realistic Mm -hmm. and the economy has just changed so much that it's not so much about getting free college it's about getting affordable college and about getting an education that will last and that matters do you want to address that too skylar because you're a, a, a bernie sanders supporter yeah um Honestly, I I think she said it perfectly. I I don't want to be given things. I want to have access to get them myself. And things like like college or just having a stable home are are getting harder and harder to to accomplish. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment before I move on? Do you want to say something? A lot of these things I think are human rights. Like to have affordable health care, like how is that so many people are – denied that accessibility especially if you were and it's it can be shown like through racial like the blockages in the past like it's it affects different racial groups or minorities and it's it should be a human right to be able to take care of yourself medically and that's how it is in other countries and those countries are the like denmark what she what reagan said earlier it does make a difference May I move to the debates, Emily? And, and now I should disclose that we are recording this on Tuesday, which is the morning of the 10th uh, Democratic debate. So I am going to ask you about a debate, and you've not had a chance to see the 10th debate. So we're going to have to talk about the Nevada debate, which was the, the most uh, recent debate. Have you had a chance to see any of the debates, the Nevada or any other debates? And, and what, what has been your, your take on them, Emily? Um, well, specifically focusing on the Nevada debate, I so I watched all of that. Um, it was very interesting. It was good to see all of them in action. I One thing, a smaller thing that I would like to bring up is, well, you asked about Joe Biden earlier. So Nevada, Las Vegas was the most, was the deadliest shooting in American history. And Joe Biden was the only one who brought up that the shooting even took place. And it was in his closing remarks at the very end. It was just brushed by. Um, That's something that sort of like intrigued me that none of the candidates really brought up any gun reform. And that's something really important to me because I'm I'm actually part of March for Our Lives. Wonderful. And I, I think that that's something that I would like to see candidates bring up more in debates, especially in Las Vegas, where the deadliest shooting in American history took place. I'm surprised that that wasn't more of a focus. What, what did you think, Reagan? Um, so the biggest thing that stood out to me the whole time was Bloomberg and how much because it was his first debate and how much the other candidates targeted him. Um, especially Elizabeth Warren. But I definitely think that it was needed because Bloomberg has a very long, rough history. And um, so many women have come out with sexual assault allegations in the workplace and um, just blatant discrimination in the workplace. And when people like Elizabeth Warren asked him, hey, like, are you ever going to let them out of these non-disclosure agreements? He basically said no which is so wrong on so many levels. And he tried to claim that it was made by two consenting adults. But what happens when one of those adults' job is on the line? So I think that it was really interesting to look at that aspect of his character and see, can we really trust him? Will you be watching tonight, the 10th yes. debate? Yeah. Yes. 
I wish we could have talked tomorrow so I could have heard what you had to say today. What do you think, Skylar? Uh, I've seen quite a few of the debates now, and and honestly, I I've never thought that it was a good a good medium uh, to to talk about politics. Um, Explain. It's you you have so little time to talk about everything, you know. And and I I get it. They have so many candidates. They they and they have a limited number of time. But they they don't they just don't have enough time or resources to to talk about all of the complex issues that that we're dealing with. I I can I hear what you're saying, especially as a former Andrew Yang supporter, because I can remember feeling like I wanted to hear more from him in previous debates, and he'd be cut off, and and I felt that way too about several candidates. They're just getting going, and they're cut off, and they're looking for the zinger line. Instead of having a policy discussion, is that what you're feeling? Exactly, yeah. It's it honestly, it feels like it's it's becoming just a, a reality TV show at this point, honestly. And yet we have to we have to see them up with each other. E- exactly, yeah. We yeah. So I I don't know how how we could replace it, how we could make it better, but what we're doing right now, I don't think is working. Uh, we'll let your generation figure it out, because I'm sure I'm sure you you'll come up with something better. Let me know when you do. Um, we'll change topics and go to the Utah legislature now because they're doing a lot of interesting things during this 45-day session that we have on Utah's Capitol Hill. And one of the things, and I know this is going to be a little awkward. Let's tr- try and have it not be awkward because I think it's a curious thing. Um, they have a bill that would require a warning on pornography. And my question is, do you, th- do you think that would do any good? So let's say, for instance, that pornography popped up on a TV screen or a tablet and had a loud noise or a 15-second something. Would that help in any way? Because I, you know, I, I, I think of the warning that's on a pack of cigarettes, I don't know if any smoker stopped smoking because of that warning, but I don't know if th- that's fair to compare in this case. So I'll stop talking now and ask you, Reagan, what do you think for your generation specifically and in general? I don't think it's going to stop anything. Like you said, like the nicotine warnings on a pack of cigarettes, it hasn't stopped anybody from getting a cigarette if they want one. And realistically, there are so many other issues in the world that I don't think that we should be targeting pornography necessarily because if my generation or if kids younger than me want to find pornography, they're going to find it. And not saying that that's an excuse or like that's necessarily a good thing. But either way, if kids want to watch pornography or they want to see something, they're going to be able to find it. Even if there is a warning beforehand, you know, like they're going to check the box and they're going to move on. What do you think, Skylar? I, I agree completely. And I I, I would say that I, I think you're right that it's not fair to compare the cigarette warnings and and the pornography warnings, because the cigar cigarettes have have been proven time and time again to be a lot worse for you than pornography, and so I I think c- comparing them just it isn't isn't fair at all. Um, uh, one thing I will say about the effectiveness of the cigarette warnings, there have been tons of studies that show. That smokers, when they see them, they double down on their habit. They they don't like that they're being told what to do by the government. They don't like the fact that they're they're being forced to put things on on their product that they don't want to. And the smoking increases. 
it, it has the the exact opposite effect um and I, I I don't know if that would necessarily apply to pornography uh but i i would I would agree with Reagan that it's just it's not gonna have any kind of effect if if I want to or if some curious 13 year old boy wants you know wants to go on his laptop and find pornography he he's going to do it he doesn't care what about, about the, the kid who doesn't want to but stumbles i and, and in that case he's got a chance or she to get off before it's it before the the video starts playing is it worth it for that kid i or adult for that matter yeah uh, I would say that I think it's it's a lot harder than people think it is to accidentally stumble stumble upon a pornography video. It's um it's it's not something you can do accidentally as, as much as I'm sure plenty of kids would love to say it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> is is that what you, you're nodding, Emily? Yeah. Is, is that what you think too? Well, I think that if you get an ad for pornography, you're probably not on the best site to begin with. Like especially as a child, like. I, I'm never doing just schoolwork and I see an ad for pornography come up on like Wikipedia. It's not something that's common. And I think that if you're a child and you're on one of those sites, then it's something that you're already looking for. And but, like what Reagan said, you're still going to you're going to go to it no matter what the warning says. I've heard though. OK, tell me if I'm being a dumb mom that that you can type in like one letter wrong and it will take you to a site that you, you didn't intend to go to. You're typing in a URL. You get one letter wrong, and instead of going here, you go there. Is that not true? It Yeah, that is true. Um, well, with the whole ad thing, though, like comparing it to cigarettes, so it's, it's, it's pretty odd. I feel like cigarettes are too far apart to compare the two because I think it works both ways. I think with adults more, the, the warning, like the nicotine is an addictive substance ad, I think that that makes more of a difference to people who are more like experience you know but if you're 12 years old and you see it like i know that when i was younger like there's this thing on snapchat called streaks where people send each other back and forth photos to get like a snap streak and some kids would post like little stickers of this is an addictive thing to try to seem cool and get more like hype you know i think that it it sort of works both ways ads like that and i don't think it's unjustified for them to put an ad like because even fortnite's have has had discussions about whether to put an addictive ad on that. And I feel like it's in their right to say that pornography is an addictive substance because it is, but I don't think it would really stop anybody because majority of the time it is that there's a kid looking for it or an adult looking for it I and mean, that's not going to stop them. This is addictive. I'm holding up my phone. In fact, let's talk about that in a minute. This is Through Their Eyes on KSL News Radio. This is Through Their Eyes on KSL News Radio, and I have three students in studio with me from the American Academy of Innovation. In studio, Emily is here with Reagan and Skylar. And can I jump to this question of, you know, we're talking about addiction. And I held up my cell phone uh, when I asked that question because there was, uh, and I thought this was interesting, this article on Vice about, do you feel addicted to your phone? Um and do you think your parents are addicted to their phones? Can I start with you on that, Reagan? Do you feel addicted to your phone first? Definitely. For sure. I think that there are so many kids in my generation that are addicted to their phones. How do you define addict addicted? Um, it's really hard because it's an addiction is where you 
think about it all the time. You are like checking your pockets. Where's my phone? You're thinking about like you'll be doing schoolwork. We kind of had this discussion earlier with our teacher. Like you'll be doing your schoolwork and you'll be thinking, where's my phone? Hey, I want to check Instagram or I want to check Snapchat or I want to check all these different social media platforms or I want to give my mom a call or like all these different things are on your mind instead of your schoolwork. Do you think your parents are addicted? Definitely. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Okay. So I think you're right, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as much as I'm on social media and as much as I'm, you know, like involved with like Instagram or Snapchat or all these different ways to like get a hold of my friends, I can't tell you how many times a day my phone goes off where my dad's sending me a tweet. Honestly. Really? Yeah. It's like at I, least three times a day. I, I drove <laughs> off and accidentally left my phone here at the station last week. Mm-hmm. And... As I'm getting on the freeway and realizing I don't have my phone, and I would be late to my appointment if I went back for my phone, so I knew I had to leave it behind, I started to feel like I was breaking out in hives. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, for crying out loud, this is ridiculous. That probably is what addiction is, Mm -hmm. don't you think, Emily? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Reagan. I am addicted to my phone. Um, I think my parents are addicted to their phones. What does it look like for you? Well... I think that addiction is where you can't just leave something behind and be okay with it. And I know I'm not ready to leave my phone behind. So much of what I do is on my phone because I'm actually from a different state. And the way I stay in touch with my friends is through Snapchat and texting and Instagram. And, like, it it makes such a big diff. Like, I can't just let that go right now. And I think that there are pros and cons to that, especially in such a technology um, like living age and we I think it's been getting better because we the three of us right here we were born in a generation where technology just boomed and we didn't know how to like handle that and our parents didn't grow up with this type of technology oh yeah so it's a learning phase on how much to give a kid like how much to give them an iPad or a phone and let them experiment with it and how much to like make them go into nature you know spend time outside because you need to have that balance and for a while I know with me, like, if I just look back, like, three years ago, I think I was worse at limiting how much time I spent on social media on my phone. And the more experience I get, the better I am at figuring out where that, that, that line is. But I do still think that I'm addicted to my phone. I mean, I, I, I was reading an article in the, in the paper, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, about a thing called forest bathing. And that is just going into the forest. <laughs> And taking it in, it's called forest bathing. I think we used to call it hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Is that not hysterical? Okay, over to you, Skylar. Are you addicted and are your parents addicted? Uh, I I used to be. Uh, I I used to be really, really reliant on my phone. Um, Now I don't. It's it's a useful tool for, for communication and even... Even entertainment. I, I think that you can use it for entertainment without being addicted every now and then. Um, what but changed? I um, I, I don't think there was there was a moment. I, I there was a year where I, I wanted I wanted just a break. I, I wanted to just kind of work on myself for a long time, uh, and I I didn't have my phone for a year. Uh, and afterwards, it was like this, this, this. My phone was this, this whole new world, and I, I, I stopped taking it for granted. I guess. That's amazing. I, I was going to ask you what the longest period of time you've gone without a phone. For you, it was a year. I win. 
Yeah, you win. You win for sure. And that would change the way you think about it and the way you think about yourself. What was the longest you went without a phone, Emily? Like a day, a weekend, an hour? Well, it's probably been several weeks, probably a month. It There's been times where I felt like just something in my personal life is too like overwhelming and I feel like the phone just added too much pressure so I take a break but I do come back to it I haven't gone a year but that's a smart idea to just put it down what about for you Reagan so for me it's harder because my mom actually doesn't live in Utah so my mom lives down in Austin Texas and so the way I keep up with her and like tell her that I'm okay is through my phone so the longest I've probably gone is only like a week or so. Yeah, and I, that completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. We are we're con- we're connected with families in that way. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that that's a, was a great discussion. Um, I want to ask you now about oh, what did you think about Jeff Bezos? Uh, Jeff Bezos, head of Amazon, uh, richest man in the world, giving. Well, I guess it wasn't giving; it was pledging. $10 billion to fight climate change in a number of interesting ways. I guess I'll start with you, Emily. Um, I saw interesting commentary about this. Some of the commentary said, uh, great beginning, but he's not the government, and this isn't his role. And some, some commentary actually said, you know, he's the richest man in the world. This is nowhere near enough. It was just strange. So I thought the reaction to this uh, initiative, this first, was very strange. And so I wondered what, what what you thought, Emily. Well, I actually have been thinking about this a bit. Um, and for a while, I understood how people would say it's not his responsibility to give money. But it, it sort of is because he, he has one of the biggest companies. And it's not carbon neutral. It's making a very big impact. So he has to come back and combat what he's already done to the environment and he has billions of dollars that he's never going to use in his entire life and it is his money but it's at least his job to give back what he's taken away from the planet yeah that's interesting what do you say Skyler? i i agree i think everyone is is just morally obligated to try to i i i guess it, it's cheesy but like leave the world better than, than I love when you, you came. <laughs> Especially when it's right. I mean, that's what we're here to do, isn't it? To yeah. leave the world a better place. But, um, and I, I know that you, you weren't saying this. Uh, a lot of people were saying that it was almost immoral of him to do that in, in a way because um, they, they were like, oh, he's just trying to be self-righteous. And maybe, maybe he, he wants to be better in, in the public view, but that doesn't diminish what he did. Um. So honestly, if he can have all all of the positive attention he wants and we have a better climate, I, I'm okay with that. Yes. What do you say, so, Megan? Kind of going off what both of them say, I do think it was his job. It's all of our job to give back to the planet. And while his company, like what Emily said, is not carbon neutral yet, and he still does have like a really harsh impact on the planet, that's still like $10 billion that he donated. And that's seven, I read somewhere that it was 7.7% of his uh, net worth. And that's like, although some people may argue that's not enough, like he still has all this money, like that's still a lot of money. And whether or not like what, um, like what Skylar said, whether or not he's trying to be self-righteous or not, that's still like money that's going into saving our planet, especially because like 
our government's not doing anything about it really right now. And so who is it up to? It's up to us. It's up to people that want to make that change. The self-righteous criticism was a little confusing to me. I'm not sure. Please, Emily. Yeah, I I think it's really important to not take away from what he did. I think that there's still more to be done. But also, I feel like people should not get mad at him. Like what both of um, Skylar and Reagan were saying, it was still that like he gave a lot of money and we shouldn't we should be grateful for that but i also like it's not outrageous to expect to do more because i think that there is still work to be done and it's good to be grateful for what he's done but also be like you know you you still have done a bit of harm to the planet you might want to at least yeah, come back his carbon done. footprint is enormous i mean think about how we don't i mean it's all delivered now just the just the delivery trucks just the boxes I, I have no idea what it what it is, yeah. but um, and then kind of going off what Emily said, and if he's not going to do more about like climate, like he should maybe donate more of his money towards his own company and paying his workers because they are so overworked. Yeah. And although like it was a big deal what he did, like I think that he should also focus eternally on himself on his company because um, I actually know somebody who worked for Amazon as a delivery driver for less than two weeks because it was so hard on him mm. and. He was like, well, this is a lot of money. It'll be good for my family. But as soon as he got into it, like, it's outrageous what they expect them to do. Like, they don't get bathroom breaks on these 12-hour shifts. They don't get any sort of break. And everybody deserves a break no matter how easy the job is. Mm. Thank you for adding that. Um, One last topic for us before the time is gone. I want to ask you about, there was an idea, a bill that was proposed. I think that it's a... It may not be moving forward. I, I didn't check the status of it before I, I brought it up to you, but I wanted to get your idea, uh, your uh, take on the idea. Um, so when someone calls in a threat to a school uh, of of any kind, whether it's, uh, you know, what, whatever, th- if there's a gun on campus or wh- whatever kind of threat it might be, and the threat is a hoax, the idea, the bill would criminalize that threat. So if they found the student, or the may might not be a student, might be a person, if they found the person who was perpetrating the hoax, there would be a crime associated with that hoax. Do you think, Skylar, that that hoax should be a crime? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I assumed it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really, really interesting to me, that it's it's not a crime. I... I think it a- absolutely should be all all of the money and and panic that 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 causes you should absolutely have to answer for that. I think it there might be something else. I think it might be a different kind of this this might be adding to it because I think a threat of some other this might be just adding to it that might be like a hoax crime in addition to because I think it has to be uh. something else. I should have investigated that more before I brought it up. Um, because I think you're right. I think there has to be some some sort of charge. Because doesn't isn't there a federal crime? Maybe it's adding a state crime to it. Maybe that's my guess. That's what it is. Um, so would there be a state crime added to it? I don't know. What, what what's your thought, Emily? Well, so I believe I might be wrong on the exact number, but I know that West High has been shut down at least once. I think it's four times just this school year on like fake bomb threats, fake gun threats. And it's ridiculous. Like, there's so much panic that goes into it. The money and the 
diversion of like actual firefighters, police officers that have to come to these schools where they could have actual issues that need solving. Mm-hmm. I think that it yeah it is a crime, and there's especially in today's environment um, in America with like there are a lot of school shootings, and it's legitimate fears that are in place and it's not something to play around with. And the harm that that is caused to those students is real harm, in my opinion. But over to you, Reagan. Um, I definitely think it should be a crime. Um, for me personally, I remember a few years back when everything kind of just like started to explode with school shootings. Like they were just everywhere. It was like almost new how frequently they were. And um, my cousin goes to a public high school And it was almost every day that they were getting a bomb threat or a shooting threat. And um, they stopped calling off school because almost every time it was a hoax. But, like, imagine going to school and, like, that's just in the back of your mind Mm. every single day. Mm. Like, what if the bomb threat today wasn't a hoax? What if there is a bomb in the school? Mm. What if tonight, like, what if today's the day? And the administration and the students and the staff all expect you to be there anyways because it's your education. And you want to be there anyways because you want to learn. But your life could be on the line and you could just have no idea because you've become so numb to the constant bomb threats. This is something your generation has to deal with that my generation did not. I mean, we we did uh, drills because the Russians might bomb us. You know, we used to get underneath our desks in case that that's really what happened in the 60s and, and early 70s. We'd practice getting under our desks in case World War Three happened. And we never believed it would. That's just what we did. I I have such a feeling of uh, sadness about the kinds of realities that you please, Emily, that you deal with. So, I know that like like what you like what you were just saying. There is a lot of school shootings in our generation um, throughout my entire life. It's been there when I was in third grade, a girl in my school died because she was shot at school, a third grader. Um, Every single year of my high school, we've had a lockdown because of some gun related thing. Um, Actually, when I was in ninth grade, there was somebody with an actual gun who came into our school because they had robbed, like they did an armed robbery right next across the street. And those hoaxes, they're, they these are very serious things are actually happening and building off of what Reagan said it's not like it's not okay to risk it and like it, sh- it shouldn't it should be criminalized and it causes real pain yeah real yes please um kind of going off what Emily said is like we all have those experiences there was it was my freshman year of high school and I was going to a different school at the time mm-hmm. and there were two young men who went into a sportsman warehouse who used to go to my school one of them was in eighth grade mm-hmm. went to a sportsman warehouse and stole guns in gang related activities and it shut the whole school down because we knew who they were mm-hmm. and I remember it was on the news in the morning and uh basically it said if anybody knows who these people are like call in immediately like call the police Mm -hmm. and so our entire school even though they weren't anywhere nearby although they weren't there wasn't really any real risk of them coming into the building like shut down all day and because of course they were students at the school of course and there i remember i was fortunate enough that i actually had a doctor's appointment that day and Mm -hmm. i got checked out early and we left early but um you had to get checked out by your parent at the end of the day in order to go home and for a lot of students, that meant staying at the building till seven, eight o'clock at oh, night wow. because their parents didn't get off work until six and then traffic and everything was crazy. 
And so they would actually are, um, they call him the school bodyguard. He stood outside in a chair and you had to walk out with your parent with a note saying that you could leave the building so that you were safe. And that should not be happening. Mm. Like that's not something that should be happening in this country. Any, any more thoughts that you have about that, Skylar? Uh, I I think they said it pretty well. I, I don't think, and, and obviously I, I do want to want to make sure that that we understand that technically the the amount of shootings has been going down drastically like but the amount of fear it still causes Mm -hmm. is going up Mm -hmm. and honestly that's the most damage that's that's being done and i you know i i imagine a world where if if you're going to school and someone someone calls the school and says I have a firearm. I I want to, and I'm gonna uh, dramatize this because I, you know, this is this is such a strange thing to happen. Someone to say I I want to kill the people in your school. That that is such a just a disgusting idea. Mm-hmm. Well, my my heart is with all of you. Can I just say it? Thank you for your thoughts and your wisdom and your ability to articulate so well today. Thank you to your teacher for bringing you today. And I hope I get to see all three of you again. You were just wonderful. Thank you for coming.